Hey all, welcome back to another episode of the Texas Signal Signal Cast. I'm here with Jessica Montoya Coggins. Hello, y'all. Yeah, as usual, we are going to talk about the happenings in Texas state politics. Uh, This podcast goes out first to our Patreon supporters, so we hope that you'll please join us and consider being a patron uh, if you're hearing this. Uh, It really helps us to uh, do all the great journalism that we do and get the word out. Um, You know, we're really one of the only progressive outlets across the whole state. And so we're really trying to build something special here that's a platform for folks, um, our new emerging leaders across the state. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, you know, the big news, I think, this this week was Governor Abbott's uh, new order that he put into place, which rescinds an old order uh, to uh, eliminate the mask mandate. So I think you were following this, Jessica. Uh, what's your what's your take on him opening uh, businesses up 100% and, and removing the mask mandate? Yeah, last week I was very worried about this. I, you know, a- after the blackout and just how disastrous the response was, I... And you know, Abbott was taking a lot of incoming fire even from Republicans. I was like, something, something bad is coming. And I was like, what would be the worst possible thing for him to do? You know, rescind the mask mandate. So I knew that was probably gonna happen <laughs> and that did. Uh, so yes, I, I do, I, I feel like I am channeling my, you know, Britney Spears, uh, you know, free Britney, uh, you know, right. but my government is, is killing me. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is amazing. I, I totally agree. Like, you know, you could see him taking heat sort of from all sides and, you know, he's been under the gun with the, uh, power grid outage and, and the ping, finger pointing, and he's kind of escaped a lot of the harshest criticism. You know, we've been really covering this a lot on TexasSignal.com, but, you know, uh, what Democrats are saying uh, about, you, you know, who's really in charge here with, with um, the, the power outage, uh, the PUC chair resigned, uh, but she was an appointee of the governor and the CEO of ERCOT, which the PUC oversees, was just fired. And this is after, you know, we covered this last week, but uh, the hearings where, you know, um, he basically didn't give testimony that uh, satisfied the members that they were actually going to do anything to make changes or that they accepted any responsibility for what happened. And they asked him how much he made. And apparently he makes almost a million dollars a year. And so, you know, you know, folks want answers, but Greg Abbott, uh, has managed to essentially avoid the direct accountability. And as soon as these two folks are taken out of the picture, he's kind of the last person. He's the next in line, essentially, in terms of going up the chain of accountability. Uh, and then we get this order. Like you said, I think it's it very much seems to be uh, an order to distract us from sort of that, any kind of fallout from that, uh, that failure. Um, and it's uh, very frightening. I mean, it's very frightening. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in Texas, you know, the frontline workers, uh, teachers, service industry employees, uh, you know, this is, I mean, this is threatening their lives. And I, you know, I know it's sort of up to each store to, you know, uh, either comply with the CDC guidelines, but there's really no enforcement mechanism for them, even if they do require masks. And, you know, we've seen hundreds of videos all around the country of, you know, anti-maskers confronting people in, gro- you know, places like grocery stores, malls. And I mean, what, what are exactly are you supposed to do? And, you know, here in Texas, 
you have the added threat of like these people could be armed. Yeah, it could be. So, so I, I don't, you know, I, I feel for these, you know, employees, you know, many of them making just seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour, uh, you know, having to try and, uh, you know, confront possibly someone who who is threatening their life. Absolutely. And he's basically putting all this responsibility on each individual. Uh, I mean, we can save business, but yeah, it's, it's more t- like what you said, it's more the individual workers who are going to bear the brunt of having to enforce this. And, uh, you know, to me, that's the whole point of the government is to provide this type of guidance. And he's clearly just acting on a political level. Uh, you know, there were uh, a poll that came out recently. I mean, his polling numbers had gone down. We saw that um, after his initial sort of um, reaction during the pandemic, his, his numbers took a hit. Um, and then after the power grid, uh, I think he thought, saw this as a desperate move. But I, I went back and looked at the previous executive order that he put in place back on June 2nd that uh, initiated the mass mandate to begin with. Um, and he said there that the reason that he was doing this was that uh, the COVID-19 virus posed an imminent threat to Texans in every county in the state. Now, what changed between now and then? I have no idea other than this political situation. Um, so did you see him on the uh, the news the other day, that interview he did, because it's KPRC or? That, yeah, he was he was very combative. Uh, you yeah. know, normally Abbott, even if he is, uh, you know, under, under strain, uh, he usually maintains like a level of composure. And I, this was one of the first times, at least in my knowledge, where I... I had not seen this side of him and yeah. you could, and you could tell that he, he was very much on the defensive yeah. and really had some poor, had, had really no rationale for, for the, for this uh, executive order. Yeah. He just immediately blamed illegal immigrants. Um, he said, Biden is, he's like, you know, and, and, and it was a total deflection from the question. So the reporter said, you know, well, I understand you have a different opinion on immigration, but I'm asking you about the mask order. And he says, no, you don't get it. I'm telling you that Biden is releasing illegal, illegal immigrants who have COVID-19 into our communities. I mean, he just kind of like went off the rails. Uh, I mean, he was combative and, and aggressive and he really struggles to show emotion. Um, and I feel like, you know, he just kept, he kept doing this with his hand, which was like really weird. Um, you know, I, I saw Scott Braddock, who's a, a you know, a, a reporter, a political insider at the Capitol. And he, he made a comment to the effect of, you know, Abbott's behavior in that video was similar to what he seems to be hearing about how he's talking to his staff or he at least insinuated that. Uh, so, you know, he probably is, it's born out of frustration, but we saw that practice video we talked about last, uh, last week where the governor was seen essentially practicing showing emotion, uh, because he was going to have to tell, you know, people about what was going on with the power outage. So this is somebody who, you know, has come from a judicial background, who was like a, a lawyer and a judge, you know, essentially trying to have to recalibrate his approach to like empathize with people in a way that he's never really had to do before and probably doesn't, you know, uh, but it is part of his role as governor. And if you I also, there, I you know. also think that, you know, he's feeling a lot of threats from other governors, uh, you know, particularly at last weekend's CPAC, mm-hmm. whatever the heck that was. Um, I think Abbott was, was it 0.01% support uh, for president. And he kind of sees that 
the governor of Florida, yeah. Ron DeSantis, and the governor of South Dakota, uh, Christy Noam. Gnome. Uh, I, I just call her COVID lady. I don't yeah, know. I mean, um, but yeah. you know, like they have, they're clearly, I think, positioning. They, they and Abbott has, I think, uh, he has 2024 ambitions, and he's sort of seeing these other two governors uh, clearly way, way leaps, far leaps and bounds ahead of him. Yeah, it does seem to frustrate him that he lost some of that sort of national mojo that he had. Um, it seems like just months ago, people were talking about Governor Abbott uh you know sort of being a national figure uh but he's also always you know jockeying for that spotlight with ted cruz in the state um you know but obviously he's not seen as super popular right now um but yeah i I don't know I, i was pretty frustrated with the number how high greg abbott's polling numbers still are uh you know uh it was post cancun uh trip and in um a Texas statewide poll showed 58% still support Greg Abbott, which is, I just find incredibly hard to believe, but it makes sense why he would try to make this pivot now before that number goes down anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll see what, what happens. I, I don't know if you were on next door. Um, the only reason I'm on it is because of the, the COVID-19 once God, God helping we're, we're past this. I'm, I'm done with that, but it was, it was interesting to me, you know, somebody did post, you know, like a, thank god we're done with masks and about 85 percent of the replies were like this is so foolish how dare you and then only about 15 percent were you know yeah this is it's about time so yeah, I'm, I'm, curious, see, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see i mean i i mean well first i mean this is again very frightening and a scary situation uh but i i have to think that this actually might back, i hope backfire a little bit yeah, I mean, it's hard to see who, I mean, we know who is happy about this, but th- that doesn't necessarily translate to them being happy with Greg Abbott. I mean, we saw what Sid Miller posted, and I hadn't really thought about this, but Sid Miller has been attacking Greg Abbott for a while now over the pandemic. I mean, he held a rally with the chair, state party chair, uh, against the governor at his own mansion, uh, telling him to open everything back up. And so when the governor opened up, Sid Miller was like, well, it's about time, but this never should have taken this long and it shouldn't have happened. It wasn't, it wasn't a like hoorah governor Abbott, you know? Um, so I'm wondering. You have, a, you have a theory about Sid Miller, I think. I, yeah, I'm starting to think that he wants to run for governor. And, and it, it was somebody on Twitter when I, I like just kind of like tweeted something about this, but yeah, they said, oh yeah, he's running for governor or something like that. Or he's talking about it. And I was like, oh wow, that, that never crossed my mind, but now it makes a lot of sense why he's been doing that. I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, it's hard to, you know, I, I think of anything, what it tells us is that Republicans find him a, a bit vulnerable uh, in their own party and they see that. And so that's something to, to you know, to consider to speak of, I think. Mm-hmm. We, will keep, we will keep an eye on that. Yeah. And another statewide who we think is particularly vulnerable is Ken Paxton. Um, we talk about him a lot and he was in the he wasn't in a courtroom, but his lawyers were in the courtroom trying to essentially get his latest case of abusing his office thrown out. I don't know if you, I think you might've been watching some of this, but essentially where we're at now, as far as I know, the latest is that uh, the judge, Judge uh, Amy Clark Meacham said, uh, the show can go on. 
but the, their argument was that he should not, um, he should have immunity because he is not a quote, uh, public employee uh, because he is an elected official. But I did go and look it up and he has a salary of over $150,000. So I don't know why we're paying him that if he's not a public employee. Correct. And, you know, the, the, Paxton is, is very notorious for these stalling tactics. I mean, mm -hmm. it was six years ago, he was indicted by a state grand jury up in Collin County uh, for securities fraud. And he has managed to, uh, you know, that trial has, it has been six years and, you know, sort of bounced around the state. And, you know, it's still kind of in that holding pattern. Uh, so no, he, he is very much someone who has a playbook and he constantly goes back to it of, you know, making sort of these outrageous claims and then using everything at his disposal to uh, evade accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he's been like, he's been very good at it. It's one of those things where like, hey, if you're, if you're good at it, if it's working for you, you know, I guess, um, you know, you, you got to hand it to him. He's, he's been successfully ev evading any type of accountability and, and there's been a lot, a lot that he's, he's been able to so far get away with. And, and he's, um, he's kept up a busy schedule as attorney general. Uh, you know, it was about less than three days after uh, Biden took office. Uh, he immediately filed a lawsuit to stop a deportation freeze and, and was successful in that. Uh, prior to, to the inauguration, he was leading the charge against the Affordable Care Act, against DACA. Uh, he's right now aligning with several Republicans, attorneys generals against a uh, Department of Justice nominee, uh, Vanita Gupta. So, I mean, he to, to say he's not a, a, a public employee is a, 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 a stretch of the imagination, in my, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and then there's another uh, <laughs> public employee uh, who, who's been in the, the headlines recently, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who is now a congressman from North Texas or West Texas, I guess. Uh, do you know anything about that? You could tell us about what's kind of happening with Ronnie? Yes. Uh, so an inspector general's report was released yesterday. Uh, Dr. Jackson was a White House medical doctor. Uh, he treated President Obama uh, for, for several years. I think he was in the office starting in 2012. And there were some really serious allegations about his conduct there. And the report, in my mind, is, is very damning. It shows, uh, you know, yeah. sort of breaks it down, like people who were first firsthand experienced his, uh, you know, shouting, uh, ta tantrums, uh, just really unprofessional conduct. And then, so it's, it's several people in that category, several more people sort of had fir witnessed firsthand other people doing that. Um, he also, uh, there, uh, he was drinking on the job, including two trips where he was accompanying President Obama uh, and, you know, supposed to be sort of the, the on-hand medical care. Uh, so this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, however, he, he was still promoted under uh, President Trump. And a lot of people, I think he gained national traction when he gave a very unhinged press conference saying that Trump could live to be 200 years yeah. old. Um, yeah, he's like- I also, I also just want to point out, they definitely lied about Trump's weight. I am sorry. <laughs> they gave like a weight for him where I was like, I, I actually started looking up like NFL football players to see like what, like the same height and yeah, weight. Yeah. And I, ca I found someone and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Just, what is, do you remember what they said he weighed? 
it was something like two. 245 or something yeah he's like six four i mean i'm six four so and i think he lies about that too because (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's hard to know when he lies about big things small things unimportant things it's very hard to know yeah like and then when his doctor lies yeah it's kind of hard i mean i I, when i found out that he ronnie jackson was also obama's doctor i was like oh my god that's so scary i'm so glad that obama made it out no i'm like i hope i hope he found like some outside medical care immediately um but so and uh congressman jackson now uh he has claimed that this is all a hit job and uh the you know deep state is out to get him he i believe his district is either like it is easily one of the top five most conservative in, in the whole country yeah and so he has really pivoted and you know gone into that uh, very, very hard right direction. Yeah, the Trump world, absolutely, hundred percent, all, all MAGA, MAGA, all in. I mean, Trump endorsed him. I mean, you know, he, he was seen as Trump's guy, and and of course, the opponent who was pretty bad himself was trying to out Trump, and you know, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, the thing is, like, what I hope is that I assume this stuff is absolutely true. I mean, there's no reason to doubt that it's not true, uh, but my hope is as a congressperson, there'll be more exposure into his behavior. Hopefully staffers feel more comfortable and other people who witness that type of behavior will also report it and continue to report it so that they're new or fresher. If nothing else, just keeps them in check, right? So he doesn't abuse anyone else. Um, It just makes me think that like staffers at the Capitol probably need a union. I've never really thought about it before, but like if anybody can benefit from a union, it's Capitol staffers. I mean, the way they're treated it's very yeah. true. And, and the, the pay too. And this is actually, I think, yeah. I think something that, uh, you know, Joaquin Castro is very adamant about uh, that it is, it, it's just exclusive. It's not fair uh, where you have a, um, if you want to serve, it, you basically have to be at a certain income level. And mm-hmm. that's just not right. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you basically have to have a trust fund that, that can like pay your way while you, it's almost like going to college again you know, um, while you're there as an intern, unpaid or not. So on your on your point about uh, Capitol Hill unions, uh, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne is actually starting to attract national attention. She is from the North Texas region. Uh, She has had a a incredible amount of turnover in her office in such a short amount of time. So I was reading uh, was either Politico or um, another another uh, publication where they they were pointing that out and they noted noted it was very curious like so early into a term to have such a tumultuous uh, time yeah. already i mean and she's awful i mean former mayor of irving anti you know muslim is how i got introduced to her uh when she was mayor of irving and just saying some outrageous things about uh, her own constituents um but yeah, and all, it's just very weird too. She had a staffer commit suicide in front of her home since she's been in Congress. Uh, this was a campaign staffer, not a congressional staffer. But it really, you know, I, I mean, there there has to be some connection in terms of her relationship to people that she is uh, in charge of, and 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 the way she deals and manages people, and and it's just such an awful thing to have happened. Um, and, uh, and, and given this, what you're saying now, there's clearly to me some connection with the way she she manages people. And, and, and I mean, just listening to the way she says publicly, it's awful. So I just can't imagine what, what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, very so, but, true. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think 
H.R. 1, the, the voting rights bill is one that just passed the U.S. House, um, you know, and we saw Trump and you mentioned CPAC when he was at CPAC. One of the things he mentioned was all the things state legislatures should be doing in order to essentially make sure he can win again, because uh, we're going to eliminate uh, mail-in voting. Uh, we're going to eliminate early voting. He called for eliminating early voting. Um, and just a lot of different things um, that I think some of which HR1 could help uh, to manage and, and facilitate that states would not be able to suppress votes uh, by changing some laws. But you noted that um, there's been at least one bill filed to, to kind of follow through on these. Yes, um, State Representative Jared Patterson, who is up in Denton County, uh, filed a bill. It essentially counters Harris County, uh, which had opened uh, some late night polling sites during uh, mm -hmm. early voting, as well as one 24 hour period. And this was really designed, uh, you know, for a lot of folks that don't have sort of, you know, traditional hours and particularly hospital employees. This right. was, you know, uh, we, we are at the time we were in a pandemic, we're still in a pandemic. Um, and it was, uh, and, and actually I think Harris County did a phenomenal job uh, with how they were able to very creatively uh, expand voting access. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were 10,000 people, I believe in that 24 hour window that were able to vote. And who knows if they would have been able to do that if that hadn't been open to them. Yes, right. so, but this bill would have a hard stop of six, I think, I believe it was uh, 9 p.m. for uh, any evening early voting. I mean, it's just on the surface, just outrageous. And I don't know if you, you saw any of the Supreme Court arguments um, where the, you know they were listening to why, you know, a, even Amy Coney Barrett was, was questioning the Republicans on why they wanted to remove some of these provisions. In this case, it was an Arizona law. Um, and he straight out said, you know, politics is a zero sum game. And this gives uh, us a disadvantage to the, to the Democrats. So that's why we want to get, be able to get rid of this rule. So yeah, they're not hiding it. I mean, no, they're, they're not anymore and they don't have to anymore. And, and so that's, that's where we're at, unfortunately. And again, that's why you know, uh, outlets like the Texas Signal is obviously so important. And, and we give a platform for folks who can tell us better. And I know that one of the things that, um, you know, we're going to be doing is hearing more from the Texas Civil Rights Project about how uh, they see the future of voting rights and what we can do. And they get some serious wins in Texas um, on voting rights cases, like really big, unbelievable wins. Some, uh, I think one of which was a Harris County victory back when they tried to eliminate some of these uh, new innovations that were going on in Harris County. Uh, they were there to help protect some of that. Um, I mean, there, there was an attempt just to, I believe they had like a drive through type of voting and there was an attempt to just throw out all the votes that had, mm -hmm. <laughs> that had happened there. I mean, it was uh, uh, just so unconscionable. Yeah, yeah. And so also, you know, you, you just recently interviewed um, a member of the state house about the state of Texas politics. You want to talk a little bit about? Plug sure, your sure. Uh, this is on, uh, we have a couple of podcasts in our Texas Signal family. So I host a, a podcast called the Tex Mix. Uh, so I was able to talk with state representative Jasmine Crockett. Uh, she is up in the Dallas region. Uh, we talked literally the just a few hours after Abbott's uh, executive order ending the mask mandate. So she was 
very, very angry about that. Um, she, you know, she hears firsthand from, uh, you know, the frontline workers who are going to be impacted. Uh, we, we obviously were also talking about the blackout and the continuing devastation from that. Uh, her district was very, very impacted in Dallas, uh, and many residents had to go to the Renaissance Hotel, which had a power generator. Uh, so she was in her Austin office coordinating, you know, trying to make sure that figuring out, you know, which uh, which hotels are sort of on grids that are near hospitals. That's how they they sent people to the Renaissance. Um, but also, this was also relating to the, you know, uh, Abbott's executive order is, you know, two weeks ago, we had people sort of interacting very close to one another because of this devastation from that winter storm. Uh, so many public health advocates were warning that there could be, you know, a surge in COVID-19 cases. So again, this is the absolute wrong time to be doing these, these measures. Um, yeah. It was a very good conversation. And we also got a, a chance to talk about some of the bills she's working on. Many are focused on criminal justice reform. Uh, she also is on TikTok now. And so it was very, very interesting to hear how she and her staff are using that platform to talk about these bills and why they are so important. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really cool. Um, I'm going to have to check out your podcast. I had not listened to an episode of it yet. I, I didn't realize, you know, how um, or when it, you know, when you actually started doing it, but I, I know I had been hearing that you were doing this and doing some of these interviews. And, and to me, that's really one of the most exciting things about the signals, this opportunity to like hear different perspectives from around the state, because one of our problems, I think, as the Democratic Party in Texas is we don't have an, a brand. Um, we kind of just have the, the national brand, which doesn't always work here in Texas. And you, you just, you know, Twitter, you can look at legislators from South Texas and hear how they talk and what they talk about. And it is very different uh, than what an urban rep from North Texas might be talking about, because I, I, I see it, you know, I, I see a lot more talks about guns and grilling and, and, and trucks when I'm, when I'm looking at South Texas members talking about stuff. Uh, so I just think it's really interesting that we have this opportunity to do that. I'm really excited about doing that in the future. Um, so uh, with that, I think we'll just tell everyone, you know, hey, thanks for, for joining us again on the Signal Cast. Uh, we appreciate it. A uh, special thanks to our Patreons, our patrons. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter. We've uh, continued to grow in our engagement on Twitter. It's really great, all the feedback we're getting from people. And, uh, and, and it's just great to have some of those conversations and to connect with people. Um, we're you know, also on, Inst we're also on TikTok actually. Yeah. We started the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can't even promote it cause I don't even, yeah. uh, we're also on Instagram, all, all the social media channels. Yeah. Wherever you are, wherever you are on the internet, we're right there next to you. So make sure you find us and join the conversation and we appreciate it very much. And so until next time, um, later y'all. Bye guys.